Okay, I'm ready. You guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Hey, I'm Andrew. This is the Bearded Friend Podcast, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I speak to Candy McLaren-Lewis of iCandy Tattoos. Obviously, we talk about tattoos, but she also opens up and tells me some personal stories. Hey, hey, it's Friday again, and it's time for another episode. So thanks for joining me on this week's podcast. As I mentioned, I speak to Candy from iCandy Tattoos. We had a really interesting chat we did the recording on the 11th of September, so obviously that is quite an important day to remember. Uh, so we did chat a bit about that before we got into the meat of the episode. This is the first episode where I have a tattoo artist. Uh, this won't be the last. I've got a few lined up coming up in the next month or so. So I hope you stick around for those. But most importantly, let's get on to this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so you were telling me about Milo. Yes. And you were saying that um, that he was complaining that you need to represent. If you're going to be in the industry, you need to represent. What do you mean by that? Well, because uh, I don't have tattoos. Okay, why I don't do. you I've have tattoos? One. I've got one on my foot, which is and why I don't have tattoos. Because was I almost, one enough? No, because I almost killed the person who did it. Because okay. it was, I don't know how people do it. It's so sore. It is like, excruciating. But it's addictive so, though. It's, well, I'm a little bit sadistic because I like <laughs> to see them... You like pain, to see and then they suffer. say, well, can I, can I please come watch you get a tattoo, Candy? I'm like, never. No, never. Never in your life. <laughs> never. So, so I do get attacked a lot um, because of my lack of tattoos. Tattoos, yeah. But, um, and then I just respond with, uh, have you ever met a heart surgeon? He's had heart surgery. Yeah. I mean, my passion, is, my passion is art, not... I don't need to draw all over myself to love what I do. Yes. I mean, my passion yeah. started when I was four. So, I mean, it, it was... A matter of changing my medium from canvas to skin. Because in this country, you can't sell canvas. You can sell skin more than canvas. So you can yeah, that's actually a living really good like point, that. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. So that's why I swapped. Okay. And, um, got rid of the canvas. And yeah. But I mean, do you still do the canvas stuff? I don't have time, no. No. When, I, when I, I do get orders, sometimes like barks. I do a lot of okay. bark drawings and okay. stuff. Um car stuff, I did a lot of uh, GP stuff, Okay. Um, but like my own passion, my stuff I don't have time for, yeah, sure. my client's stuff. Okay, mm. oh that's interesting. Yeah. So, to start off, I mean, you can't forget that today is the 11th of September. Yes. Um, uh, can you remember where you were in 2001, when the when those two planes hit the Yeah, I was in my towns. lounge. Was were you in lounge. lounge? Yeah, my mom, my mom actually was... Screaming, screaming like a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah, I was in my lounge when that happened. Okay. It yeah, was actually cause... quite unbelievable because we were trying to like figure it out. Like, what yeah. the hell is this? A... I immediately thought it was, I didn't think it was a tech at all. It was it was an inside job and I, it was just too convenient how it all happened. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I just, I would have walked mine. I just thought it yeah. was so inside I was, job somewhere. I was lying in the ho- in hospital bed. 
Yeah. I had broken my wrist. And um, so I was waiting to be operated on. And I had taken my pre-meds. I was feeling oh, no. I'm lying in the bed there, watching the TV. And I think I was watching tennis or something. And the nurse came running in and said, oh, you've got to change over to CNN. So I changed over to CNN. And then I can see this building with this smoke coming out of it. That and, was crazy. And the lady was uh, standing on the top of the CNN building yeah. with the Twin Towers in the background. And while she was reporting on it and the smoke's coming out, I was like, this is so weird. And obviously I'm goofed. Yeah. And the next minute, the second plane went, while she yeah. was talking, the second plane went in there. I was like, it was like watching a movie. That was okay. crazy. I mean, the rest, the but rest it was is three, history. three blasts because they, they hit the... Um, yeah, well, so the two towers and then the, the one collapsed. The, what, yeah, but they yeah. hit the, what, pins, what's it called? The Pentagon. Yes, oh, yeah, they yeah, hit yeah, the Pentagon. Yeah. Well, that, was the third, that. Think, that was the third crash. Yeah, I think I was in theatre by then. Yeah, probably. But yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And I mean, I mean, I can't believe it's 18 years ago. Was it 18 years oh ago? Yeah, 18 years ago. Like time flies, eh? No, I'm just old. <laughs> well, that's you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I suppose, my, you know, one of my questions would have been like, okay, so how did you get into the tattoos? I mean, you've already answered that. You said... Well, um, not not really. Actually, I okay. I was a police officer. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually always wanted to be a psychologist, and then um, with the police, we opened up the very first equality rape and abuse society. So I used okay. to work with rape victims, and I saw that the counsellors that were, were being issued by the state just didn't know what they were doing. And okay. I invested a lot of money, and I got some family, money, and whatever, and I started studying psychology through investing. And um, I got my psychology one, but then I left the police force because I fell pregnant with my first daughter. And I would have killed myself because I was quite a vigilante. I was like, if there was something going down, I wouldn't even wait for my partner. I'd, I'd be there um, oh, waiting. Really? I was just, I was very protective yeah. over my community. So yeah. I knew being pregnant, I wouldn't be safe. My child wouldn't be safe. So... Um, I actually remember the day leaving the crisis center, driving through to Brackpen for some reason. I mean, who goes to Brackpen? Sorry to anyone. No one. No one. Anyone who lives there, sorry to say that. (laughs) And I drove through to Brackpen and I stopped at a cafe, like corner, and I I went inside to get a Coke because I was was thirsty and picked up a newspaper. And for some reason, I just looked at the job section. I just needed, something was just saying, you need to change something. And there was this advert for a sales position. And I was like, oh, I'm a salesperson. I'm like, rather give me an AK-47 and I'd enjoy that better. Or draw. But I knew there wasn't something with art. There was nothing I could do with art that yeah. could make money. Money, yeah. So I go for this interview. And um, my boss, who I ended up working for, says, where can you start? And I said, dude, I can start right now if you like. And he said, well... Um, is that for the sales? That's for the sales. For the sales. Yeah. You, but you didn't want to do sales. No, I didn't want to do sales. But right, I, okay. something was just telling me, just do that. And, yeah. and he hired me as sales and graphic design. So okay. I self-taught with the graphic design. But for me, computer is, it's not as personal as yeah. as drawing. Yeah. Especially not on somebody. So I, I stayed at that company for 14 years. And okay. I, I built it... Um, up to one of the best stationary brands in the country. Right. Um, and still to this day, my boss is one of my closest friends. And how I started tattooing was um, Barry Hilton got hold of me. Okay. Um, 
he followed my art for a, for a while, and um, my cousin had mentioned, why don't you, instead of drawing on canvas, draw on people? And I was like, but blood and needles, like my two biggest phobias, are you mad? Yes. And so he kept saying to me, just do it, just do it. And eventually she came back to me, and, and an artist, quite a well-known artist in East Rand, offered me a position as an apprentice. But after I was, because he knew I had a career. So I, I took it. And um, I didn't quite like the environment. It was very much drug fest. I, I don't like drugs and stuff like that. So yes. I didn't quite like the environment, but I liked the fact that I could earn money drawing. And Barry was following this on my page. And uh, I had an assistant who used to work for me during the day while I was at work. And then at night, she'd do my bookings for evenings and weekends. Yeah. And she phoned me at work and, and she said, Candy, go onto your Facebook. You're going to have a heart attack. And I said, what are you talking about? She just go onto your Facebook. So I put the phone on, I went onto my Facebook, and there must have been about 3,000 comments just coming through on my Facebook. I was like, what is going on? And Barry had posted on my, well, on his wall, and he said, I'm considering getting a tattoo done by the infamous Candy McLaren Lewis. Just out of nowhere. I mean, yes. I didn't even know Barry knew who I was. Like, yes. no idea. And I thought, what the hell's going on? What is going, and I couldn't respond to it because it was his page, and so I couldn't get hold of him, or it, or ask what it was all about. Like, why was he tagging me and what, yeah. what was going on? And eventually his wife Sandy phoned me and she said, look, Barry, Barry's going to be at Empress in that December. This is now like a decade ago. Um, and he wants to meet with you. And I was like, but why? <laughs> who, 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 yeah. who are I? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no one. She says, just, he's got a gig. We're going to arrange a table. He wants to meet you. So I went. It was the 16th of December. 16th or the 19th. And I went and he was busy with a, a gig at the, the hotel there at uh, Empress. And so I sat there waiting for him and my table was ready for me. And like they knew I was coming. I was like, what's going on here? Like, did, did I become a celebrity overnight? Or something? Yeah. So he finished and I saw him walking over and he was so casual. I was like, he was like, just so cool. He just sat down and no ears and graces. We had uh, Burrowvors and he loves Burrowvors and Mash. And, we had a gin and tonic, and I said, Barry, like this is like such a huge honor. What? Why have you got hold of me? Yeah. And he said, No, Candy. He says the honor is mine. And I said, But what did I do? <laughs> why? And he said, Well, he related so much to me and my journey because his his passion his whole life was to be a comedian. Yes. And he couldn't because. It, it wasn't financially secure. So mm. he, he did what he was good at. So yeah. he went into an industry that he was average at and he met his wife and he had two kids. And when he started, he was, he was a, a general worker and he worked himself up to area manager and he was earning a huge salary. And here came this opportunity for him to be a comedian full time. But he had to go back to an apprentice salary with a wife and two kids. Yo, yeah, that's hectic. Yeah? And he took it. He did mm. it. He, said, he says, I, I did it. I took it and I, I just, we suffered and I did it. And he says, that is exactly where you are. He says, wow. you need to do it. Take your career. He says, I know you're phenomenal at what you do, you, whatever, but you're a pure artist. Do it. And I resigned. I, I took my boss because my boss start, start, started seeing that I was exhausted. I mean, I was working day and night. I'm very sure. passionate where I was working and I was very passionate. Yeah. And, I was drawing all the time and he used to catch me drawing. I said, listen, if my target wasn't phenomenal, then shout at me. Otherwise, leave me alone. I'm drawing. I've got work to do tonight. So he used to leave me alone and he was very patient mm. with me. 
But eventually he called me and said, look, you're going to have a heart attack. You need to pick a lane. And it was just as everything happened, Barry Hilton, my boss calling me in. So I went to him, to his, yes, we had a here, a back room. I said, we need to go to the back room. And he said, so you're going to let your, you know, just do tattoos on the weekend and chill and, you know, concentrate on your career. And I said, I'm handing in my resignation. Oh. And his face went from green to purple to blue. He says, but you've got a child and mm. you're a single mother. You can't just yeah. leave your career. You've worked here for over a decade. So I said, his name is Naftali Mandelberg. He's an absolute legend. I said, Naftali, you have taught me always to go with my heart. And I said, I'm not leaving you to betray you to go to competition because I know the industry so well. I'm leaving because I need to do what I want to do. And if I fail, I know you'll let me back. So I gave him a seven-month resignation and he, he lowered my hours every month and he helped me build my diary in my wow. studio. So by wow. the time I left there, I was sort of earning enough to, to support my daughter and and do oh, whatever. And from there to awesome. snowball, from the Barry Hilton thing, we started up, a, a, we were going to do a mini-series called Our Candy Evolution. Um, I had a production company follow me around for about two years. We did so many events. Um, I did a celebrity challenge against Lady Leah. We did a weight loss challenge called the Battle of the Artists. Um, okay. Me and her combined lost over 40 kilos. Wow. We worked for four months. We were sponsored by so many amazing people. And then after that challenge, I wanted to give back because I was given so much. And I carried on studying my psychology. And obviously my, my clients don't know I counsel them while I work. <laughs> they don't know. Sometimes I throw out like really big, um, like, like a 10,000 rand voucher. Whoever shares this the most gets a 10,000 rand voucher. Yes. And, and, and that's how, I, I mean, I, I do voucher systems with my, my matrix who are all 18. Um, for every distinction they bring me, they get a 500 rand tattoo voucher. Wow. I mean, I've gone, I've had, I've had matriculants go from zero to There's head, an head boy, head girl. The, 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 the work they do now, I mean, I've got guys that, that I've been tattooing since they were 18 and they're now 28 and they doctors and lawyers and, and they, they, they're so amazing. And like sometimes I love like 20 cars in my driveway and it's all my boys I used to tattoo when they were 18 and then now these like successful husbands who've got amazing kids and they've got these successful businesses and they always pay double what they're supposed to and they just get a tattoo just to talk, you know. Mm. So I've really built the most incredible, but the universe hit me on the head in a big way because the fame did turn me into a, a very different person, a person okay. I didn't really like that much. Right. Wherever I went, everyone knew who I was and this and that. And, and I, I became almost a bit of a snob, which mm. I didn't like about myself because that's not who I am. And um, one day, uh, within three months of each other, I was, I was really badly hijacked. Um, the first hijacking, I was taken into Alex for the night. Um, I had a gun to my head. He beat the shit out of me. Um, but funny enough, after being with him the whole night, we made friends. And he actually gave me directions on how to get out of Alexandra. He told me how he was going to kill me. He told me what he was going to do to me before and after I died. And he explained to me how to get out of there. That's how we became... I believe it was my dreadlocks that got me out of it. But, but I, I connected with him. And I believe we left as friends. I really do. It's the strangest so story. It's the strangest story. That's, that's story. a scary story. Yeah. I know. But three months after that, mm. I was obviously way more alert, being on the road and everything. And again, I had an attempt at hijacking, but they cornered me. The one got 
came into my lane and the other one stopped next to me. And luckily I was driving my old big huge 4x4 and, and I managed to just get in between them to get over the island and, and I lost control of my car and I hit this dip and I went onto the side and I was trying so hard to get back up to get onto the road and I was looking into the rearview mirror to make sure they weren't following Fine. me, which they were. Oh, and I wasn't focusing on where I was going. I, I knew the area so well because it was Boxburg Central, my old area. Mm. And as the last push, as I was trying to get up, there was this huge tree in front of me and I just hit it head on. And my engine sliced my leg right off. So uh. they still hijacked me. They took everything. They took my, my bag, everything. So I was taken to Tobu Memorial where I woke up in a ward of like 50 people. I don't know where I was. There was a broom next to me with a whole lot of rubbish and, and cigarette butts. And I looked down and I just saw blood everywhere. And there were two nurses holding my leg and one holding my shoulders. And they said, Michael, please don't look at your leg. And I said, what has happened? Because I couldn't remember. I remembered them. I remember trying to get away from them. I didn't yeah. remember anything after. I remember them being on top of me. I had five broken ribs, a broken pelvis and a broken hip. And the only way that could have broken was through a human. There was nothing in my car that would have impacted yeah. me like that because I hit the, my head on the steering wheel. So a human broke my ribs and my pelvis and my, my uh, hip. Mm. And, uh, but luckily, they, they were trying to get me out of the car, but they couldn't because my leg was pinned, thank God. So um, because I was so famous back then, I had branding all over my car. And mm. one of my clients drove past, and he was a tow truck driver. And he knew my, my supplier. And he phoned my supplier and he said, listen, one of Candy's staff has just been in one hell of an accident and they are all over them. And he said to this guy, he said, Candy doesn't have any staff. And yeah. he said, oh my God, he said, then it's Candy in the car. So he stopped and he said, as he stopped, they were like ants and they just got off the car. They even stole the mirrors on my, my that, they took everything. They took my shoes, well, my one shoe, because they can get to that one. They dug in my blood to get my garment. They just, it was, it was horrific. It was horrific what they did to me. I woke up with hand marks all over my neck, all over, everywhere. But it was the biggest wake up call to just wake up. Yeah. It's enough now. There's nothing to run after. I'm here for a purpose, not, not for money, not for fame, not for, I'm here for people. Yeah. And that's what I realized when I woke up in that, in that hospital. And I was like, but I'm in a government hospital. I'm on medical aid. What, what, what am I doing? And as they lifted my leg, the whole thing just dropped from mm. the, the shin down. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Mm. So they, the guy behind me said, listen, don't tell them you're on a medical aid. They're going to charge you for this. We have to put you in theater. You're going to die. Yeah. And I just thought, they wheeled me down. It was, it was disgusting. The just was amazing. It was a, a Nigerian guy. He, was, he says, ma'am, I can't put you out. I have to give you a... a like a sedative or local or a spinal block. A spinal okay. block. He says, I can't okay. put you out. So I said, my boy, I don't care what you do. Mm. You're going to put me out. Otherwise, I will I make myself stop breathing. I, I cannot go through this. Mm. I don't know what's happened. I don't know. Are you cutting my leg off? What's going on? And he says, man, we don't know yet. Because oh. it was literally just hanging by the back skin. Oh. So anyway, I had the operation. Epic failure. My mom is half my size. She carried me to her car and took me to private hospital where I was again operated on another two times. Both epic fails. Again, transferred to Union to just, I had five operations. All of them failed. Oh no. This happened t 
two years ago, I walk on a completely broken leg with no assistance. No one, no surgeon has ever seen it before. There's one pole holding my leg together from my ankle to my knee. I should be in a wheelchair, but I refuse. Absolutely refuse. That's why I, there was a funny story I wanted to tell you. I was with the Crusaders the other night. They were, we were having a briar sergeant. And the cold hit my leg so bad. And I, I said, listen, guys, just excuse me for five minutes. So I went into my room and I started crying. And Cliff stood there, my friend, and he said, I actually cannot see you like this. And he put me in, in my car, because they were obviously all on their bikes, mm. and he rushed me to the hospital. And we're standing there. I'm standing next to him. And the doctor says, oh, the problem is, he says, her leg is broken, we need pain medication. And he looks with a smirk, he says, it's probably just a minor fracture. He says, no, her leg completely broken. He says, it's impossible, she wouldn't be walking on it. So I said, okay, look, don't just give me stuff, I just want stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. So they wheel me into the room, they take me into this poor x-rays. So now, my friend couldn't come in with me, so I'm waiting now, after the x-rays, I'm waiting in the quick care. And I hear this doctor <laughs> say to my friend, this chick is bulletproof. Sucklip <laughs> says, what is going, what, how bad is it? He says, her leg is completely broken. Both, mm. both the bones are broken. He says, I've never seen this. And he came in, he says, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I treated you like that, but I've never seen somebody walk on that. And it's just pure, I don't take painkillers. I don't take calming tablets. I don't, I've just learned I was in a wheelchair for six months and I was on, on uh, crutches, crutches yeah, yeah. but it was too sore for, to yeah. work. Tossed the crutches and then I'd literally like drag my leg for about six months, just drag it and said, you will work. And just built the muscle and I walked. It's amazing. So my leg reminds me every single day. It's like a permanent migraine. It reminds me every single day to keep my head down, mm. not up in the clouds where you want to be this big famous person on TV and mm. all this crap. Your, oh, your name amazing. isn't anything. It's, it's what you do to people and what you do for people. Yeah, sure. So that's, that's, that's what I do. And then that led me to all motivational talks going around the whole country. I go to schools, I go to churches, I go to scout groups. I speak to kids of all ages, races, about bullying, suicide, cutting, rape, you name it. So okay. it's led me to to all of that. So I can do my psychology, which I always wanted to do. Yeah. And I can do my art, which I've done my whole, my whole life. So through all the bad came all this good. So, I mean, thousands and thousands of lives have been changed through my bad experiences, but I didn't use them as, as a pity party. I used them to fight it back. And, sure. and that's why I've built the name I do in the industry. And I have one of the largest followings as a solo artist in the country. And um, it's, a, it's an organic following. I've never paid for marketing. I've never paid for followers. My Instagram is, is organic. My Facebook, uh, I'm sitting on about 12,000 now. And um, that's just out of what I do for everybody. So, so it's like all word of mouth. Yeah, basically. all word of mouth. Yeah. No one, I've never, I've never like put out flyers. and I mean, everyone who comes here, I know them. Or I know their cousin, or I know their mother, or I know their auntie, or mm. uncle, or whatever. But so everybody is always referring to me. Sure. Yeah. So just going back to that, your first hijacking, and Alex. I mean, do you think your your psychology helped you deal with that situation? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Every time he hit me, because he, he wouldn't let me. He was so professional. Like I've never in my life, I didn't even know my car as well as he did. I mean, on the side, 
what happened was I, was, I, I missed an all friend. I, I was at a friend's birthday in Pretoria and I was, I'm always alone. I always do everything by myself. And I missed the off ramp. So I had to go one road down to get onto the, the, I don't know if it's the N1 or whatever it is, that comes past back from Centurion. And as I was looking for traffic, because it wasn't that late, um, I saw a bunch of guys walking on the side of the road. I didn't pay much attention. They were laughing. But I was looking for traffic because it was like one of those... Like slipways. Yeah, to get onto the highway. And as I looked for traffic, I heard this bang on my bonnet and I thought I'd knock on over. I was devastated. I was like, and I just, he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, have I hurt you? And he just opened this leather jacket and this chrome, beautiful nine mil came out Ooh. of his jacket and he came to my door and he said the words I didn't want him to say, move over. And I was like, no, 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 you're not taking me with yeah. you, buddy. Yeah. I said, I'll get out of the car. He says, move over. And I opened my door to try and get out of my car. And he jumped up onto my car and he held on. I had those silver thingies on the yeah, top. No. And he kicked me into my passenger seat. And he leaned over me, like within two seconds. There was, you know, there's three, there's three buttons on it. It's a Hilux 2.7. Yeah. The double cab. There's three buttons on the side. The one lifts your chair. The one pulls it forward and back. And the other one drops the seat down. And he knew, he leaned over me and he pressed the exact button to drop my seat down and he hit me with a gun and he said, lie down. He smelt like Gucci. Ooh. He had the perfect dreadlocks. He had a, a, I could draw his face for you. They could yeah. go and arrest him tomorrow. Hmm. But in my heart, he's my friend now. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> That's very weird. <laughs> it's, no comments. It's, it's, no very, comments. it's very strange. <laughs> but every time he hit me, I, I rubbed his arm and I said, my friend, you don't have to do this. I'll give you whatever you want, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. And eventually, after a few hours, he started getting angry when I was crying. And he, yeah. he started shouting at me and, and, may, and, and telling me to stop crying. And then I knew I had him. Yeah. Because why is he getting upset because I'm crying? Why is that affecting yeah. him? Yeah. Why would he care? Yeah, exactly. I was crying when he got in the car. I didn't care. Why is he care now? So yeah. I worked on that. So every time he hit me again, I'd try and sit up and see where I was. I had no idea where I was. And he'd hit me down, but then he wouldn't hit as hard as he did. Because mm. in the beginning, he took the gun in between my legs and he was like shoving it. He was like being like really foul with his mouth. He was like really disgusting. Yeah. And he just started, I don't know if he felt my energy or we connected somehow, but he, he just started calming down with me and he, mm. he, he wasn't hitting me as hard anymore. And yeah. I was kind of like just pacifying his arm every time he did come for me. And eventually we stopped and this was insane. We stopped in, he stopped the car and he leaned on my steering wheel and he said, get out. And I thought, oh, thank God. So I sat up and I looked around me and I just saw shacks and a huge shabine. And, and you were like, no, I'm not getting out. I was <laughs> like, what? oh my God. I thought I was, be, I was on the highway. If I was on the highway, I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah sure. Take the car, bring yeah. out of here. And I turned my back to my window and I folded my arms and I said, no. Mm. And he said, excuse me? I said, I'm not getting out of this car. Mm. I said, you are going to protect me. You know what they're going to do to me. Yeah. And he got so pissed off with me, put the car into first, zoomed off, hit me down again, and we drove for I don't know how long. And he stopped the car, and he switched the engine off. And he said, get out the car. And he opened his side, and I thought, That's, this is it. I'm yeah. Gonna die. 
So I got out and I was as calm, I was calm as hell. Thank God my daughter wasn't with me because I would have killed him. Yeah, no. I mean, I do have military service <coughs> behind me, but I had absolutely no training in that car. I yeah. was absolutely petrified. Yeah. I got out the car, I stood next to my car with my hands behind my back, and I waited for the bullet to hit the back of my head because he said he was going to shoot, shoot me. Yeah. I wouldn't see the bullet coming. And he walked around me and he pointed the gun in my face and he threw my keys at me. And he says, you turn right yeah. you turn right again, and you don't stop for anybody. And I kind of like looked at him and I bent down, I picked my keys up and I walked backwards and I got into my car, but he had parked behind like two shacks. It was like a whole bunch of dust. And I had to do like a three-way turn to try and get out. And I'm, I was thinking, just has this guy shot me? Like, what is going on? And I yeah. just drove, I listened to him. I took the first route, I took the first route, and I just drove. And it was these narrow, narrow, narrow sand roads where... Everyone had to like pass each other like this, and people were hitting the side of my car, and I was like, it felt like a flipping nightmare. And eventually I saw a robot. I was like, oh, thank God. And I put foot, and uh, as I got onto the tar road, I went onto oncoming traffic. I didn't realize I was, I was on the wrong side. Oh, shit. And I looked in the rear view mirror, and I saw Alexandra, and I realized where I was. And I quickly went over the island onto the right side. And all I remember, I mean, I... It must have taken me 10 minutes to get home from where I was. I drove so fast. I must have, I must have been going over 200. I, I just drove. And I remember just feeling myself the whole time for blood. Because yeah, I didn't know if didn't I was know, shot. Yeah, exactly. Because I couldn't remember if he shot me. body was going to shock or something. So yeah. I just kept everywhere I went. I kept patting myself like as I was driving just to see, is there blood? Is there blood? And I kept, because I couldn't remember. And as I got home, it was only then I realized how long he had me. Because I left my friends at about quarter past 10. And I bashed my mom, she, I built a flat for my mom on my premises. I bashed her door awake at half past four. What? That's how long he had me. It felt like 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. But that's how long he drove with me. Oh, that's a hectic story. Yeah. But, and then the first <clears> thing, because my mom gave me a sleeping pill, I was in such a state. And the first thing my mom said to me, she says, Lovey, you need to draw him. We need to go and report it. Mm. And I said, no, mom, I need to go find him. And she said, what? <laughs> she says, you can't go do something ridiculous. I said, no, I don't want to hurt him. Mm. I said, I want to find him. I, want, I need to speak to him. Mm. So she said, what about? So I said, I know I changed him last night. Yeah. It's like I've taken him to the yellow brick road, but now I need to teach him how to walk on it. Yeah. So I needed to find him. Yeah. And that was the, since that day, that's, I just want to bump into him and say, oh, buddy, thank you. For saving my life, for almost ending it, for like, yeah, yeah. He, he changed. It's weird. He changed my life. Yeah, he, yeah. he completely changed my life. Yeah. Because if I, if he didn't take me that night, I wouldn't have been awake for the second hijacking. I probably wouldn't have been where I was for the second hijacking. I wouldn't have lost my leg. I'd still be this snob of an arsehole. I'd probably be this rich person in America doing it all. I mean, I got a 14-page write-up in New York Inc. magazine yes. and I treated them like absolute crap because I thought I was the bee's knees. So, it just, mm. all of that should have happened now. So, it was a bit of a, like, almost like a grounding moment. Yes. Yeah. And I thank him for that. Although, yeah. he should have a bullet in his head because <laughs> the way he was, he's, he's obviously done it a, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's hijacked he organized, a lot of yeah, people. yeah. But I don't think he's done it again. Mm. I must be honest. Well, look, I mean, I have to say, I mean, you know, for you to be able to take something positive out of that situation, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. Mm. 
they would be very bitter about yeah. that kind of situation. No, I'm not bitter at all, actually. Good. People think I'm weird when, I, when they're like, don't you kill him? I'm like, no, actually, I don't. So I want to yeah. with the guy. I want to yeah. discuss life. So going, yeah. back to, um, going back to how you started, uh, when you started with your tattoos. Yeah. Um, you said that you, over a period of seven months, slowly but surely... Yeah, resigned. Resigned, yeah. yeah. And then you started the studio I, up here? I was so blessed. The minute I opened my doors full-time, I've never been quiet. Okay. Never. I've, yeah. I've always... And I think it's because I'm not greedy. I don't overcharge yeah. people. I, I accept whether it's the trickles of work in winter, whether it's the lots of sleeves in summer. I, I accept all of it. And I keep my budgets very low so that... I'm never in trouble. I don't yeah. have huge... I've, I bought my house 15 years ago, so I've got a, a, a lower bond than most people. So mm. I'm very careful with accounts. I don't have accounts. I don't... So I can manage my business without having to go look for a job. Yeah, sure. If, even if times are tough. So... Mm. But I, I do believe when you give, you get back. So yes. I don't think I'll ever fail. I, yeah, I don't think good. ever, ever, ever I'll fail. And mm. my old boss will never let me fail. So if, if something does happen where, where I can't work Make anymore, ends meet, yeah. He'll always, he'll always take Well, that's great. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important to, uh, you know, when you go through life and you meet people, it's not burn bridges when you, like for instance, like when you're leaving yeah. a previous job or something like that. Um, yeah, no, he's super proud. You know, he's like super, <laughs> now super proud. He wasn't yeah. back then because he was like, he saw what I was turning into. And like, I don't know you like this. And I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Look at me. I drive a fancy car. I don't care. Yeah. So, and so how long have you been doing it now? I mean, how far have you been? A decade. Back? Decade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just come to the same studio. I don't. I don't want. I don't like a shop front. I don't like to be in the eye of the public. I don't need a guy walking in asking for a ball bag piercing. I don't. It's not my thing. <laughs> I don't do the shows. I did. I did a couple of shows years ago, um, and I won a few awards and stuff. But it's just. It's not my scene. Yeah. There's a lot of drugs in this industry. There's okay. a lot of a lot of drugs, but there's so much passion, and I think that's why there's a lot of drugs. But. Um, it doesn't kind of suit what I do because I, I do all the anti-drug talks and the anti-bully talks and all that. So it kind of works against me. It, it works for me because when I walk onto a stage and I've got 3,000 kids sitting in front of me, usually I have dreadlocks. And they all look at this chick with dreadlocks with purple hair and they're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. yeah. So they kind of disrespect me to a level of understanding so I can speak to them and they can hear me. And like that starfish story, I don't know if you've ever heard of the starfish story. No, tell me. Um, <clears throat> my mom told me the story when I was about 10 years old um, and I've lived by it since that day um, which is why I so wanted to do psychology and uh, it's about a little boy who was walking down the beach after a storm had hit the night before and uh, the storm was so bad that it washed all the starfish up onto the, onto the sand and this little boy was walking down and he was picking up starfish and throwing it back, picking up and throwing it back. And this old man walked past him and he said, little boy, what the hell are you doing? And he says, I'm saving the starfish. And he laughs at this little boy. He says, are you mad? He says, there's millions of them. He says, you'll never save them. And he opens his hand with this one little starfish and he throws it back into the ocean. And he says, but I've just saved that one. Hmm. And that is, my mom told me that story so many, so many years ago. And I've lived by that. Every single day I throw a starfish back. And that is exactly how I live my life with my clients, how I talk to them. 
how they open up to me. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, I've never told anyone this before. It's just, it's, it's an automatic, the minute my clients walk in it, they, they yeah. feel, you know, Kenji, I can just open up to you. You know, I don't need a fancy place and chandeliers and all this crap. I just need to be myself and give them my art. Yeah. And I produced exactly what they want. That's great. So, yeah, that's pretty much what my business is based on, is that story, the starfish story. Yeah, it's an, sure. It's an ancient story, but mm. and funny, I ask a lot of people if they've heard it, and a lot of people say they haven't. Yeah. So, hopefully a lot more will hear it now. Mm. I'll go to your part where you didn't have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, like, talking I mean, how, how have you seen the sort of tattoo industry change over the last 10 years? Because... My feeling is is that like when I was growing up, tattoos was to be. I mean, my parents would like kill me if yeah. I got a tattoo. Back oh, then. it's very different now. And um, and then also going into a tattoo parlor, you always as a person that had never had tattoos before or whatever. Mm. In the first time you walk into a tattoo parlor, you would be like, you know, the people would be like, oh, mm. you know, there would be this like. Um, vibe in the, yeah. in the place, this tension in the place. It's judgment. Am I, am, judgment. I, am, I, am I in the right place? And, you know, yeah. like you would ask them a question, they would be like, oh, you know, like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing here? You know, you yeah. don't belong here kind of thing. But I it's mean, changed it's, a lot. No, well, it's changed I mean, a lot I'm a now. little Catholic girl that went to a private school, for goodness sake. And they also, <laughs> oh, are you going to go to hell if you get a tattoo? And I'm, I'm the gatekeeper for you. <laughs> My mom's just like, she's like the, the female version of the Pope. And she yeah. always, always said to me, for God's sake, don't come home with tattoos. And I was like, Mom, I'm so scared of needles. Not yeah. happen. But I mean, if I wasn't scared of needles, I'd probably be covered. I really, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I always do something funky with my hair. Or I'll do a weird piercing or something. But I have to be like completely put out. Yes. But um, what I've seen over the last decade with the industry is how, and I'm going to take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a lot of credit to this girl, um, Kath. Kath C was a, very famous South African model and she was my ambassador. Okay. She passed away two years ago. Okay. And uh, sure. I became very close with her mom, Casey, who lives in Cape Town. We struggled severely with her death. She wore my ink like, she was so proud and she handled a campaign called the IDC campaign. It was Inked Difference campaign. Yes. And she used to go to corporates. She used to go to Investec and CEOs of uh huge corporates, banks, R&B, all over the place. And she'd, she'd host this campaign as my ambassador and she would dare the CEOs to hire one completely tattooed person in each department. And the amount of time she got written thank you letters from CEOs, directors of these huge, huge companies saying thank you. This is the most efficient employer, employee I've ever had in my company. Yeah. And just because you dared me to hire him because he's covered in tattoos. Yeah. But, but also I mean, on the other hand, you, you won't believe how many doctors, surgeons, CEOs, directors walk into this studio. They sure. look like they've just walked out of a Catholic church, but they take mm. their shit off and they're literally covered from head to toe. Yeah. So, and it's becoming more visible now. I mean, the guys that usually would wear their collared shirts down to the wrist, they're folding them yeah, up sure. now and they, yeah. they're showing a little bit off of their, their work. sleeves, and, yeah. They're actually making more sales. But also, there comes two judgments with tattoos. So you either, the, the one judgment is sort of fading, the fact that you've got tattoos. I mean, the, 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 the guy you don't want to bring home to your parents is a tattooed bearded man. 
That's just how us okay. Catholic girls were raised. Right. Do not bring home a tattooed bearded man because he's going to ruin your life. That is how we were raised. So, so now I'm like the exact opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the problem is because now I'm also very involved in the gym industry. I do a lot of gym boys and I've got an ambassador called Warren Robertson. He's the most amazing ambassador and he's a fitness trainer. And uh, like he had really some really bad work and and you know you can be built beautifully but you can have shit work and no one's going to see your beautiful body so these bodybuilders they try and cut corners and, and go for the cheap work and you're ruining your body so you're getting judged by bad artwork now it's now it's gone a different level now you're like oh my god what is that like people say to me can you cover this up and i'm like no amputate but i'm a cover-up specialist yes. so I, I've never turned a cover up away. Never. I get guys from all over the world coming out to cover work up. But um, it changes the whole dynamic of your body. They don't do the, the cuts in the muscles properly. They don't follow the direction of how the, the, the body should flow. You're cutting muscles in half and you're making yourself look like a circus clown. Yeah. So on, on an artistic <clears throat> scale, the judgment has become more critical on the actual quality, oh, the actual, of, the the quality of the work yeah. rather than the fact that rather you've got than the you've tattoo. got a tattoo yeah. so now, now it's yeah. like oh, in, the, in the past it was oh cool you got that from Rocky's it's like a Rocky's tattoo now it's like oh my god how skew is that I mean <sighs> you know talking about the corporate thing is you know I've seen it myself over the over the last say 10 years working for a corporate that um, the acceptance is, has has um, you know there's more acceptance of mm. people like piercings and all that kind of stuff no. I mean when uh, when I was a teenager, left school, got my ears pierced, my mom said, oh, please, when you start working, take your earrings out. And I said, okay, mom, I'll take, I'll take them out. You're right. No, yeah, I did. No, no, I, no I, did take, I did take them out. Hmm. And I only really got, uh, only got my ears pierced again in 2013. Okay. But then I could... So that's not then, so long ago. No, no, no. Are you going to so stretch them and no, 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 no. get canaries? No, no. Uh-huh. I just um, and then and then I would I would wear I'd wear it to work and I think I was probably the first I don't think there are actually any other guys at work that that have earrings at work. You gotta no have one, someone with earrings. And no one said anything. <laughs> no one said anything. And I haven't taken them out since. And you know it's it's acceptable now. Yeah, and I mean I walk around. Different now. Um, work with short sleeves. Tattoos, yeah. no problem. I mean, there are other people that have got tattoos. I've even got a friend of mine who's, who's uh, who also works for a corporate, but he's quite quite high up. He's, I mean, he's just got a full sleeve done. Mm. He's got no problem about going to work. Yeah, it's no, completely with his, different now. Yeah, but it's because I think it's because the quality of art has improved. But I think I think you're right. I mean, I've actually never thought of it that way. But it's actually right that you say now that people are now got past the stigma of mm. the tattoo. And now they're almost like judging the quality well, I mean, of the art. If you look in my studio, you will not find one flashcard. Yeah. There is not, I will not copy, I will yes. not. Yeah. That's why I say I'm out of stock of infinity signs. I can't <laughs> stand things. I can't yeah. stand them. Yeah. But that, I love, that's why I love to customize and I love to bring out what the, the exact meanings of what it is. And, you know, it, it, a lot of the time with, with tattoos, you're dealing with loss. You're dealing with people who have lost people. Mm. I mean, tattoos are, are remembrance. It's for people yeah. to remember and acknowledge. And, and, and luckily, unfortunately, in South Africa, it's not a very supported industry. You can't get insured as a tattoo artist. You can only be insured as a, a, a graphic designer. Okay. You can't insure your hands. 
you can only get a disability. So it's not really recognized as a career. Okay. And, and when you're a self-employed tattoo artist, you're actually an unemployed artist, basically. Okay. According to the tax man and the everybody, you, you, you're pretty much a suffering artist. But it's actually <laughs> a really, really, if you're a good artist, it, it's, it's, it's one a, of the most respectful things to do. I yeah, mean, you, sure, you, sure. You, you, you're leaving a legacy on every single person. Mm. And you... Because they can't draw, you, they're using your body to put on their skin what they want from their hearts. It's yeah. such an important job. And um, even with, with stock, how stock has improved. I only use one supplier. I'm, loyal, I'm, I'm completely loyal to, to him. And his stock is the best of the best. And the, the ink that, that we use in the industry is protein-based. And it used to be based with animal protein. And it's, they've, they've changed it now over to vegetable protein, which okay. minimalizes your risk of hepatitis, you're, you know, you, you've got to be a very sterile environment, you've got to be uh, passed by the health department, None of, hardly any of them are passed by the health department, you've got to get your vaccinations, you can't carry disease into your home with your families and your children, so you've got to be very, very careful, you've got to have your blood pathogens training behind you, and so people, we've got about 3,000 registered great artists in this country, but we have about 40,000 active artists. Mm. I mean, I've been with my medical waste company for 10 years now. They still will not give me a 30-day account because we, we, we fly by nights. We open today, we close tomorrow. We, wow. It's just, there's no trust in this industry. We can't get accounts. We can't get... Although they trust me and I pay my bills and I do whatever I have to do, they know me very well. It's just, you can't just make an exception for one artist. Yes. It's unfortunately how the, the industry is. Yeah. It's very unreliable, but the good artists, the really good artists are extremely reliable. So it's a big tug of war the whole time because mm. you've got these scratches that open up. <clears throat> they think they can draw. And the problem is if you can't draw in this industry and, and you rely completely on a carbon, if you lose your carbon, what are you going to do? You're going to have half a okay job and then what are you going to do with the rest of it? You can't, you, you can't kind of stick a carbon on top of a tattoo. Uh, a tattoo that you've I mean, carbon started. paper alone is 10 rand a sheet. Yes. It's very expensive. So if yeah. you're going to go the cheap route and use normal carbon, which is almost impossible because it doesn't stick on the skin, yeah. which some of these guys do, yeah. you're first of all using something that's not sterile. Uh. And second of all, you're going to lose your carbon and you're going to end up with an absolute monstrosity on your skin. So talking about cover-ups... Can I ask you something that you, I bet you you don't know? And mm. I bet you a lot of tattoo artists don't know. Okay. Why do you think there's an age restriction to tattoos? I don't know. Is there just the law? Uh, there's no law in this. Yeah. There's no laws with no, this. That, okay. Yeah. There's, uh, we only have to abide by medical waste. Sure. By, okay. um Interesting. Sterile. It's a salt GBH. You can get arrested for assault. Oh. Because it's the intention to hurt somebody. Really? And make them bleed. Yeah. Okay. So if you tattoo somebody underage. Yes. Their parents can hold you liable like, for assault. Liable for assault. So that's why you've got to tattoo someone over 18 who's gives their own permission. And of course, the older the better because your mindset is much better and you, you've got more of an understanding yeah, yeah, of, of what you have per, you make, you know, permanently yeah. on your body. Yeah, sure. But it's, a, it's actually assault. Yeah. It's and I suppose the same goes for piercings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you have to But I mean, have, parents can sign consent even oh, though sure. they're you can, 18. You can, I've got a consent form. I've got a waiver. Yeah. Or yeah. you can go to the police station and get an affidavit. So I'll yeah. accept an affidavit or a, a, a consent form. Most of 
well, look, my, 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 my regular guys that come to me like literally every week, they, they would have signed their waiver like 20,000 years ago. But your new guys, you, you, you've got to protect yourself. I mean, sure. they could come to you, go relapse on heroin, have, have a huge reaction, and now it's your fault they got hepatitis B the next day. You know what I mean? You, you've got sure. to be able to protect yourself. Sure. They can't be on drugs. They can't be on, they can't be drinking. They can't be, I mean, the more alcohol you drink, the thinner your blood becomes. Yes. So your true blacks become true greys, which makes your tattoo less like that. You that explains a, a lot. You obviously had a few drinks that day. <laughs> yeah, that's a story for off air. I'll tell you how I got the tattoo. At least your friends will know you better now. Fortunately, I can edit that part out. My mother doesn't. No, I mean, my listen, parents do listen to the podcast. You, listen, you, whatever you edit out, I'm just going to forward it on my page and then I'm going to rewrite everything we said. And I'm going to say, this is exactly what he edited out of our conversation. <laughs> so you're going to be screwed yeah, out of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And I've got a bigger following than you, but you be careful. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, we, we, we. <laughs> We were not talking about your tattoo. No, no, no. Um, okay, so we were talking about the consent and yeah. the, and protecting yourself and all that kind of stuff. So, because I mean, that's quite interesting. Because over December, my both my daughters and I we got the helix done, oh, yeah. done in Cape Town. But when we came back and they got to school, the school was like, "Yeah, you can't." But they said you must put a clear. Yeah, obviously I signed consent and all that stuff. But yeah. what I found interesting was when I went to uh, a tattoo place close to my house um, to ask them to put a clear one in mm. for them, um, I had to sign the consent form again. Mm. Yeah, I, I was kind of off. Yeah, I'm just the hole's there already. Yeah. Just stick it in. Yeah, it's know. a it's, it's a, a salt. They yeah. can, you can hold them. Interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. You could go back if you don't like the artist. Yeah. Tomorrow you decide now I will stuff him but I don't like his face. I know I'm going to the police station. He assaulted my child. Look what he did to you. And he gets arrested. Sure. How's he going to fight? What's he going to say? Exactly. Oh, well, I didn't. Uh, yeah, okay. I stuck something in your ear. But I'm a piercing artist. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. Well, that's interesting. I learned something new. Yeah, I'm sure a whole lot of people will learn something. I didn't even know that years and years because I studied, because we don't really have a a platform here to study. You can't. Yeah, Yeah, so I mean, my kids kids are like, yeah, I want to get a tattoo. So, okay, that's cool. But you need to, like you were talking about being at the right age to make the right decision about a permanent piece of work. It's something that someone else doesn't have. Yeah, and also the thing is, like, you know, they'll get the infinity sign. And then, okay, uh, I suppose everyone has to have that one tattoo that they regret. I know. Um, like me, that thing yeah. that I almost had to kill somebody for. Yeah. No, the worst part of my tattoo was I'm such an original person. I'm actually quite a loner. I like, yeah. I keep my distance from people, but I involve myself very much in their lives, but they, but they can't get yeah, close yeah. to me. But. And I'm very original, so I like different stuff. So, I, of course, I go and I get this stupid thing when I was like 24, and I'm 40 now. And um, from a flashbook, and I thought it was so unique. And, of course, the next day I go to Woolworths with a friend of mine, and I'm limping because it's still so sore from the day before, and I'm half dying. That's why I said if they amputate my leg, it's not so bad. I get rid of the one and only <laughs> ugly tattoo I have. So, <laughs> that's... 
That's where I make lots of the situation. <laughs> Thank God this thing will be gone. And she says to me, she says, Kenny, remain calm. So I said, what have you done? She said, I'm just telling you to remain calm. What I'm about to show you, don't scream. So she pulls out this G-string and it's got my tattoo design on it. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, everybody is wearing my <laughs> tattoo on the cross. On a G-string. Okay. <laughs> You don't get more original than, than that. that. <laughs> so when I had my accident, I was still even told all the news. I said, cut it, cut it off because this thing, Google it. It's all over Google. Everyone's yeah, got it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the thing. I yeah. did try and cover it up once. Oh, eh? It took a bottle of tequila. Uh-huh. I sat there. I had an assistant at that stage. She passed away two years ago. Jesus, two years was bad. And uh, she helped me drink the tequila. She held my foot down. And I, was, I had a beautiful drawing that I'd drawn over it. I was ready to cover it up and I was going to do that. Yeah. That first half a mil. Not yeah. even a bottle of tequila yeah. could help me. Really? Not, not even. That's it's, so weird. Eh? I threw my machine. I threw my chair. I swore at everybody. I was like, how do you people do this? I can't do this. <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's like, sit down here. Let me do one on you. <laughs> And then yeah. when my clients cry, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Like, you say sadistic. Yeah. You don't even know what this feels like. I said, I had it on the bridge of my foot, but yeah, it doesn't yeah, get worse yeah. than that. So, so like, where's the most sensitive place to do a tattoo? Your Achilles tendon. Oh, okay. That's pretty yeah, sore. Yeah, yeah. Your crack. Oh, yeah. uh, the bridge of your foot. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere where the sun doesn't get you much. Yeah, sure. Because uh, the sun tends to harden your skin up a bit, so under okay. your arms. So, I mean, how, <laughs> how difficult is it to cover up a... Uh, it's very hard. Yeah. Especially if it's like, it's sad sometimes because sometimes you, it, it, it's done okay. Yeah. Look, most of the times it's shocking. But, and it's like, I don't suggest to anybody to, to, to remove tattoos. I, I'm very concerned about their skin. And, the, you know, we're so prone to cancer these days with the Are sun. Are you talking about laser? Laser, laser yeah. So I don't. A lot of people suggest that people, if they want to cover a tattoo up, go for a few treatments first and then go for the cover-up. I don't ever suggest that. Oh, really? Just bang the cover-up straight yeah. away. Because you yeah. don't want to damage the skin further. You don't know what dermis they've gone into. You don't know what ink they've used. They don't know. You, you, you've got to... And I mean, especially with a really bad tattoo that's gone into the wrong dermis. It causes like a keloid. So if you go into the sun, it'll expand and it'll itch and it'll sweat and it's just gross. And a lot of the times it, it's embossed. So... When you do the cover-up, although you've covered the tattoo up perfectly, yes. there's still an embossed sort of okay. shape of the old tattoo there. So yeah. when they go into the sun, yes, they'll have this gorgeous tattoo, but there is going to be that like almost like reaction a shadow to the skin. It, it looks like an embossment. Like a, oh, really? It sticks out. Yeah. Like you can feel it. You should never, ever feel a tattoo. Never. Because then you, you they've mean gone into, Yeah. Okay. So if you close your eyes and you rub your arm, oh, yeah. you should never feel it. It feel should like never you, be you embossed. feel like a bump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, no, I understand what you're talking yeah. about. So, okay, so like talking about the cover-up. So like how do you do the cover-up? Well, you've got to, you've got to imagine what it's going to look like. Because most, of, okay. most of the cover-ups I do are freehand. So yeah. it's never really pre-planned. They'll tell me what they want. Okay. And I, I always say to my clients, don't, don't give me an idea of what you think can cover that. Yeah. Tell me what you would have done had you not have got that. Yeah, because yeah. that I'll, I'll make that I work. see what you're saying, yeah. So I don't want them to go, oh, well, that sort of looks like a rose, so let's cover it with a rose. Meanwhile, it's no. a frog. No. I'm like, well, what would you... You wanted a frog, right? Yes. Okay, so let's do a proper, proper frog. Mm. Don't, ignore that dude. We'll do something over him. Okay. And then we'll 
Or if they say, oh, I did this, but I actually wanted a cross. And then I'll, I'll imagine what kind of cross. Okay, what kind of cross? You're going to go Celtic or 3D or wooden or realistic. Or, and then we just draw it in. And my clients freak out because I don't draw an actual image onto them. I draw the, the direction I'm going to go. Okay. So if it's like wings with crosses or whatever, I just draw the direction. So it's just lines and then all these curved lines. And, and they're like, look at this. Like, what are you doing? That's not what I asked. I said, it's in my head. Just okay. well, trust you know, me. You've asked you know, me for a, this. This trust, is yeah. what you, you're going to yeah. get. And they're yeah. like, Because at they least when you've got a design that you've carbon and you've put it on, the, yeah. the guy can see, okay, yeah. that's what it's going to look like. When you're drawing freehand over it, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And oh, I, I'll, yeah. I can, well, I, you know, can't show you. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll send you a picture of, yeah, sure. of a drawing. Well, so you, you would never say it's a drawing. Yeah. Of the before, of the, the covering up and of what it looked like afterwards. And yes. And then I show my clients that. I said, just chill. This is, this is I can draw. This I've drawn all of yeah. these. This is all my work. I can draw. So, yeah. And then they kind of just chill. Trust chill, me. yeah. But, yeah. but the pre-drawing, it, it's only direction. It's not the actual image. The oh, image okay. is in my head. Wow. That's, so, that's impressive. Eh? That's why they... <laughs> and scary for <laughs> clients. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's already a mess. And then I'm like, but dude, it can't get worse. So don't worry about it. <laughs> So, well, it covers I mean, with a black square. It's okay. Yeah. So, okay, I mean, I don't know much about tattoo. The actual, you know, doing the tattoo. I mean, this whole thing of uh, blacking something out and then doing white over it. I mean, is that possible? It's becoming popular, but it's not really... It is called a blackout, but it's more preparation for scarification. Uh, so, uh, we've got good white inks. You've got to invest... A lot of money in your ink. You can't use cheap shit. Some okay. some of the guys put it outside because your ink swells because it's a protein. Yeah. So from a thirty mil, you get a sixty mil because of the sun, and you, they're using that ink on on people. Some I have seen with my own eyes. Artists take their cups of ink once they finish with their clients and pour it back into the bottle. Uh. So whatever that person's got, the next thirty people are going to get it. What do you mean? But like- how do you know? Disease was. Yes. How do you know that? I've never thought of that. that. So you're scaring me now. Well, this is it. So you don't know. Did they wash that needle in sunlight soap, or do yeah. they have an autoclave? Yeah. Did they? Are they reusing those gloves? Did they yeah. open before you have HIV? Did, what? You know what I mean? It is okay. so transferable. And hepatitis has got a five-year incubation period, so you yeah. can be sick for five years and not know it. What the hepatitis C or what, what, what's well, the one a that you get? B is the one that's incurable. Yeah. A and C we can sort of manage, but yeah. the B is, is the one with the incubation period. That's, uh, all, that's the one that you can't cure. Uh, that's yeah. the one that we've got to watch out for and we've got yeah. to be vaccinated for all the time. Yes. So we can never carry it. Yeah. Um, but it's transferred not just by blood. Uh, it's not like AIDS where it's, it's transferred by bodily fluid and plasma. Yeah, just, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. can touch a bottle and get hepatitis B if it's not properly sterilized. Sure, sure. So that's why you've got to be very careful where yeah. you go. And like, uh, I don't want to mention like certain places, but like very public places where there's no basins and stuff, you can't go there. You, you've got to go to proper sterile. Make sure they've got a health certificate. Make sure mm. they've done their blood pathogens training. Ask them for their certification. And if they can't provide it, go somewhere else. Yeah. And if they're too expensive, don't ask why. It's, there's a reason they're too expensive because they've invested all their money in what they're doing. Yeah. They invested their money in expensive machines, not 50 rand machines. So 
it's always best to go to the most expensive artists because then they will provide you with all their certifications and you'll see they've got proper machinery and sterilizing units and all that kind of stuff. So when you want a tattoo, price should never, ever, ever be the option. It shouldn't even be a, oh, but I think, let me, what can you do for 400 Rand? You can go and get a nutsack piercing for, at the free market for 400 Rand. That's what I'll say to you if you ask me that. Yeah. It's pre-planned. I mean, I even work with a debit order facility if you want to save up for your tattoo. You, you won't be able to do it on your own, so go with a debit order. Call 500 bucks into my accounts every month until we have enough to do your full sleeve. Done. Yes. Invest properly in your work. It's, yeah. it's so important. Money should never, ever be an issue, yeah, an issue with a tattoo. Yeah. Never. Sure, sure. Yeah. So that's very important. There's a lot of people, and I hate it, and I get tagged in it every single day. I'm looking for the best cheaper to ask this in East Rand, and I get tagged. I'm like, oh, dude, seriously. <laughs> don't, it drives me, it, you can't put the best and cheapest in one sentence. Yeah. Valentino Rossi is, he, he, he didn't buy his bike from a second hand shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you can't put that in the same sentence. You either want the best artist, or you want the cheapest artist. And I can show you where to go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know. So you specialize in cover-ups. Mm. I've seen some of the some of the, some of the stuff on your Instagram. I I think it's pretty amazing. I can't believe that you have the ability to cover up and produce what uh, like blows my mind. <laughs> Thank <Right>. you. Um, <laughs> we'll test it out. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you were you were on the wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and then we accidentally got back to that thing on your arm. Yeah. So, uh, and we were talking about how the industry has changed over the last couple of years. Mm. Now you're starting to get these like almost like franchised mm. um, tattoo parlors, like the Dakota Lees and uh, what's the other one? Skin Dakota? Trade. Skin Trade. Um, there's quite a few franchises. Yeah. So. Clearly, the industry's got to a point now where it's possible to use a sort of business model like that, mm. which I suppose of, is positive. You know, there's a lot of people that could potentially be making a lot of money out of this industry. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a natural-born salesperson. And, uh, like, when I phoned, especially with the disability thing for, for my hands, like, yeah. the Kardashians have their asses insured. Insured, yeah. For millions. Yeah. And I went and I phoned all the, all the insurance companies. And I bet you someone's going to get rich from me saying this. Yes. And I phoned and I spoke to all of their consultants and I say, listen, I'm a tattoo artist. I'm a registered company, P2I Limited. I want to insure my wrists. No. I can only give you a general disability and a graphic designer or artist. I said, but I'm not a graphic designer. I'm a tattoo artist. Mm. Okay. So can you insure me for a Porsche if I drive a Hilux? No. Okay. So then how can you insure me for a graphic designer if I'm a tattoo artist? Yes. Okay. I'll see where you're going. So I say, now I don't just do this with one uh, insurance company. I phone multiple, most most of them. Yes. And I say, can you insure me as a tattoo artist? No, we can't help you. Sorry, no, as a graphic designer. And like I said, we're, three, we're over 3,000 now registered performing artists in this yeah. country yeah. that could be insured, properly insured for, for our hands. And, and what's most important, our backs. I mean, our backs suffer all the time. Um, I mean, if we lose, if we break a hand or carpal tunnel is very, very common because of the vibration. I've got carpal tunnel in both hands. 
but the the success of the operation is only fifty percent. Yes. What are you going to do if you lose your hands? End up at a, a at a brothel yeah. <laughs> and use your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, but now talking about going back to the three thousand registered tattoos. I mean, is there a place, a website, or something that people can go to to check who those registered Look, tattoo artists usually, are? The registered guys are the guys that do a lot of marketing. Like, yeah. like my Facebook is like out there. It's, it's, I always post work. Always, and it's very important to research your artist. So now the first thing you want to do is, is obviously if you want to stick to your area or if you want to travel to an artist or you, you want to work on a referral or, I mean, even if you go top, top 100 artists in Joburg mm. and then you, you just take the first 20 and you go and research their websites. Go look at their yeah. work. Go visit the studio. Find the artist and say, can I come have a cup of coffee with you? Yes. Just a cup of coffee. I don't even want to discuss artwork. I just want to feel the vibe. The vibe yeah. It's an extremely personal thing. Yeah. And if you don't get on with your artist or you, there's a little bit of tension or mm. you, you're invading someone's space in a huge way, plus you're hurting them. So it's, it's, you've got to have a great experience. So go. And if they're not open to that, then you don't go. Yeah. If one of, if a guy I don't know says, listen, this oak referred me to you, but can I just come have a beer with you? Can I just chill in your studio and, and just... I'm like, dude, 400%. Do you want to get takeaways? What do you want to do? Yeah. And the minute you open yourself up as a person, because it's so personal, and make them feel as comfortable as possible. So relationship is exceptionally important. So when you're looking for your artist, you always look for... Stalk them. Go on their Facebook page. Look how look how their clients speak about them. Look how their clients respond to their work. Look at comments on their work. Make sure it is their work. I mean, I found a lot of my work on other people's web pages. Oh, really? And I'm going to shit wow. my pants. Yeah. Yeah. There's another company with my exact name, not so far away from here, that's changed the R to a Y, and they tell them I'm off sick, and just you know it pisses me off. But I mean, this is how people operate, and um. So you just got to make sure they're legit. Make sure it's 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 not a new shop. If it is a new shop, make sure they've they've now expanded from small shop to big shop, so that they're showing growth. Or so always just do a lot of research. Research, especially. Yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, you make your valid points. You're talking about the cost of getting the tattoo, checking out the tattoo artist, mm. checking out the studio that they're working out of, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you think about it, it's quite a big thing to. Permanently put ink yeah. on your body, and besides the and health risk, the health risk the that goes along risk. with yeah. So I think mm. don't go for the cheapest. Mm. Do your homework. Check out the tattoo artist. And also another thing, becomes that is with so them. important. Yeah. Even though you're paying sometimes a thousand eight hundred rand an hour for your yeah. tattoo, we are the only country in the world where we are not tipped. Your your. Your rate is a, is a whole different story. That pays the bond, that pays your stock, it pays your machine, it pays this, it pays this, it pays your apprentices, it pays... This. What about what about a little bit of extra because I did churchy. such a good job on you? This is the only country in the world where the, the tattoo artist doesn't get tipped. Wow, uh, I've never thought of that. Yeah. I wouldn't, I'll it's be always honest, a negotiation to get the price down. Yeah. Never the opposite. Yeah. It's always, oh, you I know would, what, you're 1,200 an hour, can't you do like 900 for me? No, bro, I'm not doing this as a favor for you, and I'm not your cousin. And I wouldn't do it for my cousin either. You'll pay them my rates. My yes, rate is my rate. Yes. Pay your artist and tip them. Okay. Give them an extra 
you're investing five, five grand in your skin. It's going to be there for the rest of your life. Mm. Give them a 500 rand tip. Give them a 1,000 rand tip. For God's sake, give them a 2,000 rand tip. Most of the oaks, when they go to the strip clubs, think about how much tips you give those girls, and they're not even giving you a tattoo. It's not permanent. They might be giving you something <laughs> else permanent, but besides that... Yes. So, you know, think about your artists. Even no, if that's they, actually a very good point. Even if they, they own the studio... They've still got to run it. There's running costs. They've got mm. they've got a shitload of money to put back into the business. Give them a tip. Just let them have that extra two hundred bucks. Yeah. Tip them. Always tip them. Well, thanks for pointing that out. Well, good. I hope a lot of people hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, future tattoo well. artists. Yeah. Well, I've, tipped. I've learned something. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, in America, they've got signs all over the place. Please don't forget to tip your artist. Really? Yeah, they've got signs all over the place. Miami Inc. Walk in the first sign you see. Please don't forget to tip your artist. Wow. Yeah, that, not all that money goes to the artist. Yeah. So how does it work? If, like, okay, I mean, you've got your own studio and whatever, but if you're a tattoo artist working in another, in another studio and they're like three or four mm. tattoo artists, I mean, how does it work? Do they... Well, they so would take like, a percentage. Let's say the going rate is 1500 bucks an hour. A lot of the guys would either take a percentage or yeah. charge a, 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 a space. Yeah, rent. so like a rental for yeah. a space. But now you've got a, a risk there. You, you, I could charge 2,000 Rand a month for that bed. Yeah. But I could have a phenomenal artist who's turning over 100K. Yes. Whereas I could have asked for 20%. Yes. You know what I mean? Okay. So it all depends. It depends on the It depends situation. how busy you are. I'm not yeah. very busy. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very selective with my clients. So I don't have staff. I've got a, a little uh, uh, apprentice who's just finished school last year. She wants to become a tattoo artist. And an apprentice fee is very expensive, especially for someone who's got knowledge in the industry. But I don't charge her, and I, I've exchanged it for no salary. So okay. instead of charging her an apprenticeship fee, she works for nothing, but she makes, <clears throat> she does script pieces. She's done her blood path- pathogens training. She's done everything through me already. Yeah. So with, with all her script pieces, she gets 80% of okay. what she does. Yeah. And I only take for stock. For okay. like the needles and the ink and the disposables, the gloves and all that kind of stuff. Right. I don't even charge her rental and all that other stuff wow. until she's up on her feet. Yes. Then she will do. We'll work on a percentage or a or a rental. Or she'll yeah. probably go off on her own because everybody's buggering off anyway. So she'll probably yeah. go and tattoo overseas somewhere or whatever. Okay. But uh, three years is you've got to you've got to eat shit in a studio for three years before okay. you can even so, think of tattooing somebody right so explain how the apprenticeship thing works with a tattoo well artist. you've got to you, you're pretty much a, a station changer you 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 the most important thing you have to learn is your 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 blood pathogens okay. it's the sterile environment yeah so you've got to work alongside a, a tattoo artist and get to know the mistakes so yeah. you've, they've got to learn through your mistakes okay and 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 it's it's basically changing station so every time you finish with your client you recover the bed you recover the 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 unit you recover your machine you recover your sprayer your your ink everything gets recovered and it's the nightmarish it's the most horrible job on the planet but you have to do it every single time and that's what they do literally for a year they 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 become absolutely anal about sterile and then they start getting used to what different needles there are, what different settings on machines, depending if you're using a rotary or a coil machine or whatever inks you're using, and research your, your suppliers. And I make sure that, that my apprentice is uh, always on the internet, Googling derm, your, 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 your different layers of skin, and different types of infection, different types of transfer. There's so many new viruses coming out. Yes. Um, so and then as an apprentice, I mean, in terms of 
I mean, obviously, if you want to become a tattoo artist, you need to be an artist first. Yes. If you Before can't you draw, become, don't even bother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go home. And then once you've once okay, let's say you can, uh, you're a person that's an artist and you want to become a tattoo artist, you now become an apprentice, like you say, you're changing stations and all that. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of starting to do your first tattoos, I mean, how how does that work? Because it's it's very um, overwhelming because you mm. you. Look, I'm an empath, so I don't like hurting people. Now I yes. do, 10 years later. Yeah. But back then, you don't, yeah. you're like worried, like, oh my God. So you, you, you're missing the, the, you're going into the wrong layer of skin because you're not going deep enough, or you're going too deep because you're not sure if it's going to stay. And yeah. the, the secret to a, the, a perfect tattoo is a healed tattoo. Yeah. Tattoos always look phenomenal when you've just done it. Yes. It's how they look in like a year's time. When you start out as a, as a, t- a tattoo artist, it's getting to know. Yeah, all the mistakes. It's getting to know all the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And learning. And of course, you've got to do, you can't do anything solo. You've got to make sure your your artist is with you all the time. Okay. And then how long how long um, would one be an apprentice for three before th- uh, three years? Three years, yeah. Cool. So, jeez, oh, we could talk for hours. <laughs> we'll have to do another one. Another well, episode. Sure. So like but anyway, thanks for the chat. Um, and... Uh, Obviously, I'll put all the links and all that kind of stuff to your to okay. your social media and all that stuff. So people, if they want to see the work that you've done or they want to get a hold of you and want to come and get a tattoo, then obviously they'll have all your contact details. Well, that is definitely a conversation that it could have gone on for another couple of hours. Anyway, I'll definitely have Candy back on again at some stage. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Do yourself a favor and go check out those uh, links in the show notes and that my friends is the end i'll catch you next time